from my prairie to yours it's the other animals for april 3rd 2021 i'm laurent levy thanks for checking us out today we have a truly memorable show on tap for today uh, our first real live bona fide four-person panel discussion and uh, not just any panel panel of absolute rock stars <laughs> more on that in just a moment uh so listen if you're a longtime listener to the show and who isn't you know, one of our recurring themes is the power of language. Oh, yes, those favorite words of mine uh, that serve to make truly awful crap normal and acceptable. You know about some of our old favorites, culling, harvesting, livestock, population control. But I've recently had to confront a different type of language challenge of my own, one that doesn't necessarily serve to make truly awful crap normal and acceptable. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. So while not new, more than one person in my own life has now asked to eschew the old gender pronouns I'd always accepted as just normal. Girls were girls and men were men. As Archie Bunker used to croon. So now instead of he and she and his and hers, it's they and them. It feels weird, I gotta be honest. I'm still not get I'm still getting used to it. And I slip up more often than not. But it means something to the individuals who ask for it, so I keep working on it. I was thinking about this when I came upon this little joint letter to the Associated Press calling for a change in animal pronouns, signed by no less than 10 of our very own former guests, and it calls for referring to animals as a who instead of a what. Here's just the, the intro, uh, just the first two paragraphs of that letter. I'm going to read it for you. In the 1960s, world-renowned ethologist and conservationist Dr. Jane Goodall submitted her first scientific paper on chimpanzees that was promptly returned to her to be edited. Every place she had written he or she to describe a chimpanzee had been replaced with it, and every who had been replaced with which. Goodall refused to budge and won a small battle for non-human animals back then, but decades later, we're still waiting for respected style guides like the Associated Press Stylebook to catch up on the relative pronouns used to describe them. In an age of struggling with industrialized animal cruelty, the sixth mass extinction of species, a climate crisis, and the exploitation of the natural world, the way we use language influences the way we see our relationship with our environment and the non-human animals we share it with. It's just, again, the, the first two crackers. It's a very good letter. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and po post that up on, on my website, too, so you can see, see the whole thing. As I was reading, I, I was particularly struck by the line, every who had been replaced with which, and uh, caught me the delicious timeliness of the now abating Dr. Seuss controversy. As you know, the they just pulled five or six books. So in the letter, who is italicized, but imagine if it was capitalized. Now, Horton Hears a Who was obviously not one of the Seuss books offered up as fodder in our great republic's latest culture war, but I could see it. Think about some of the other language wars we've touched on here, like we've got the labeling wars, right? Remember plant-based manufacturers in Mississippi can't call a veggie burger a veggie burger, don't you know? Now, if the authors of that joint letter are successful, and every individual that comes through that shoot to be slaughtered, every individual cow or chicken or pig, if every one of them became a who instead of a what, and if the relative size of the who's of Whoville 
were just a metaphor for the relative stature of the non-human animals in the letter. And if every time a parent read Horton Hears a Who to his, her, or their child, and the child made the connection between the Who's crying out, we are here, we are here, and the pig about to be asphyxiated or the baby calf about to be steer roped at the rodeo, who's also crying out, I am here, I am here, and that child would be asked to step in for Horton. Well, doesn't take much imagination to see that Horton could be in the crosshairs soon too. All right, speaking of the rodeo, our esteemed panel today consisting of four of our all-time champions uh, is going to take a look at the recently announced latest Disney offering entitled Aloha Rodeo, which tells the unlikely story of how Hawaiian cattle ranchers came to Wyoming and showed up the natives. We'll have Eric Mills, Steve Hindi, Rebecca Rose Stanton, and Josh Steinhaus back in the saddle to see what this is all about. And you're going to love the solution this esteemed group came up with right here on this show. Uh, we're going to hear it. And we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to get this in front of Disney. You're, you're going to like this. A bit later, uh, with spring in the air, uh, veterinarian Dr. Tom Picard is going to get us ready for the peculiar infestations <laughs> that await our dogs and cats at this time of year. Uh, good advice coming soon. But before we do any of that, let's catch up on just a little animals in the news. It's actually a bit of old news, I suppose, in this day of the 24-hour news cycle. But amidst last week's closure of the Suez Canal, yeah, I remember that? Oh, that was a week ago. Well, there was this little tidbit that no less than 20 of the ships caught in the logjam were in fact carrying, here comes one of those words, yeah, livestock. Uh, this story, I'm just grab a little bit of it, uh, comes from The Guardian, and but it's, it's telling because this is how it was covered um, as the story was actually uh, developing, as it was unfolding. Here's what they had. Uh, Garrett Weidinger, EU coordinator for Animals International, said she was concerned if the crisis became protracted, the animal's welfare could become an issue. Quote, my greatest fear is that animals run out of food and water and they get stuck on the ships because they cannot be unloaded somewhere else for paperwork reasons, she said. Getting stuck on board means there's a risk for the animals of starvation, dehydration, injuries, waste buildup so they can't lie down nor can the crew get rid of the dead animal bodies in the in the canal i'm guessing because that's probably illegal to dump them it's basically a ticking biohazard time bomb for animals and the crew and any person involved she said yeah well okay so we we know we all know how how it uh, how the story wound up right, the tide came up the mighty tugboats came and freed the stuck ship and all all the ships went on their merry ways and including yeah including the 20 ships that had all that livestock on it so they didn't have to worry about running out of food and water and they didn't have to worry about starvation dehydration or any of that stuff they could just get right on over to the slaughterhouse and uh, and, and meet their demise that way tell me you see the irony in that all right Let's uh, let, let's switch gears here. Uh, let, let's check in now and uh, let, let's check out, not check in. <laughs> Here's my conversation with, uh, with Eric Mills, Steve Hindi, Rebecca Rose Stanton, and Josh Steinhaus about Aloha Rodeo. You're going to enjoy this. Here we go. All right. Recently, uh, the Walt Disney industry on uh, DisneyPlus.com uh, announced this little press release. I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Disney is developing a new film based on the popular book, Aloha Rodeo, 
for Disney Plus, which tells the untold true story of three Paniolas, those are Hawaiian cowboys, who traveled from Hawaii to Wyoming in 1908 to compete in the Frontier <clears throat> Days Championship Roping Competition. What started off as a novelty quickly turned into a one-sided competition as the Paniolas performed feats that the mainlanders had never dreamed of before. Walt Disney Studios' uh, Walt Disney Studios live action team is developing the film, the film, and Chris Kakaniokalani Bright has joined the project to adopt the film for Disney Plus. The upcoming film will be produced by Jeremy Latcham. And uh, here to discuss all of this, uh, we've assembled probably the the absolute all-star team here, if you wanted to discuss all things Disney and rodeo. So I'm going to sort of go around and introduce everyone. Uh, first, we have Dr. Rebecca Rose Stanton. She's an animal rights scholar, activist, and author of The Disneyfication of Animals, which uh, was recently published by Palgrave Macmillan as part of their uh, animal ethics series. We also have Josh Steinhaus. He's a historian and writer and the producer of the weekly blog, Steinhaus of Mouse, uh, where he discusses all things related to Disney, including movies, the various theme parks, and other related topics of interest. We have Eric Mills. He runs Action for Animals. That's a rodeo awareness campaign based out of Oakland, California. And he's producer of the film Bucking Tradition. And finally, uh, we have Steve Hindi. He's the founder and president of the animal rights organization Showing Animals Respect and Kindness, which has the acronym of SHARK. Hey, welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, good to be here. Absolutely. All right, let's, um, if it's all right, uh, just, Josh, I want to start with you. If you could just give us sort of the background of the project and maybe just summarize the story itself so people have a sense of, of what is what is Aloha Rodeo, what's its background and what is the story? Sure, uh, so Disney's adapting the book Aloha Rodeo for the film. Um, the book tells both the story of the wine culture in relation to cattle ranching and, and the evolution of cattle and ranching and breeding and um, ultimately in some cases, hunting of, of cow and livestock um, up to where they started having the Paniolos, the cowboy mentality. Um, and that's about 40%, half the book. Um, I'll tell you personally, as someone who had not done a lot of uh, prior knowledge into the radio culture beyond what I've heard from your show, it was fascinating. The, the guy's an excellent writer. Um, I don't believe that he glorifies it, but I don't believe that he diminishes it either. I think he states what his research says and he writes very well. The next piece of the book, the last 60-ish percent, is the story of the three um, cowboys that he focuses on who went in 1908 from Hawaii, Wyoming, to compete in the Cheyenne Frontier Days event at that time. Um, and he, he gives a nice background of those three cowboys. He gives a, a, a telling of the event itself, of the reaction that these three cowboys, as he puts it, with wildflowers in their hats, uh, got from these traditional, nice, early manly men um, at this event, and they killed it, right? They crushed it. Um, these these cowboys came in and did all kinds of things that um, either were better than the, the cowboys had been filming or that they had never seen before. Um, and in fact, I think that's where the Disney film will focus. And, and obviously I'm speaking here, but um, this sort of underdog mentality, this, this culture clash, this, um, you know, new concept introduced in American West from the Pacific islands, you know, those, um, those, those uncivilized folks coming in and, and besting out the best of the best in, in the American West. I'm going to strongly guess that that is the story Disney wants to tell, especially because half the book is just the general history of, of Hawaiian ranching 
that's that's a documentary, right? That's mm-hmm. a separate film. Disney yeah. wants to tell the story of these three cowboys. Um, and I think that's where the film will focus its, its right. primary effort. So it sounds three. it sounds like it fits into the uh, it's an underdog. It fits into the, like that Disney sort of uh, of an underdog kind of a kind of a story. Um, Re- Rebecca, can you can you fill us in a little more? Like, how, generally speaking, that concept of not just the underdog, but sort of maybe this, this notion of Disney and and it's romanticizing or it's romance with with the American West that that sort of fits right that that's not that's not uh, uncharted territory for for Disney yeah absolutely I mean when we look at animal harm in Disney films um, it's depicted differently based on who is doing it a lot of the time so for example Cruella de Vil is probably the most famous animal abuser in Disney films and she's like a rich older woman but some types of people are depicted as being okay to harm animals and um and sometimes when that is done the animals are not anthropomorphized so uh, Disney have actually done not a rodeo before but um in Saludos Amigos which was a film set in Latin America that they produced in the 1940s that does include like Argentinian cowboys on horses, kind of similar to a rodeo. And then in the Free Caballeros, we also have a kind of mock bullfighting as well. But, you know, this isn't depicted as cruel. It's depicted as kind of funny because in, in Saludos Amigos, you have Goofy, who is trying to be an Argentinian cowboy. And in the Free Caballeros, it's Donald Duck, who's kind of playing with his friends. So, yeah, they have done this kind of in a way before, but um, yeah, Aloha, sorry, the, the name of the text, um, Aloha Rodeo. Yeah. but it's, yeah, Aloha Rodeo, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this story I, I wasn't familiar with, but when I was reading about it, it seemed like a fantastic story. I mean, forgetting the ethics of animals, it, it's a brilliant story and really a film that I'm looking forward to seeing and I am interested in how Disney will do it. Um, I don't know if we know if it's going to be animation or live action yet. I don't know if anyone knows that. I yeah, couldn't that, find that information. That's actually one of the, I wanted to actually probe that a little bit later on here because I think that that's really critical in terms of what mm-hmm. Disney, how Disney's going to approach this. If they do, mm-hmm. for example, CGI, and mm-hmm. to me, that means they're going to sort of tightrope this whole issue of, of the reality of the, of, of the animal cruelty, right? You know, the aspect of, of really mm-hmm. how bad that is. And, uh, or if they animate it versus actually showing, mm-hmm. showing some of the real barbarity, uh, and I don't mean to project yet, but uh, of, of, of rodeo, you know, the, the reality, what, what, what really is. So how, how are they actually going to navigate that, um, uh, walk that yeah. path? So, well, when I was researching, because I wasn't massively familiar with rodeos, um, they're illegal in the UK and in many parts of Europe. And the only place I kind of seen or heard of them was in films. And they're never really depicted well. And they're depicted very rarely. One of the only examples I could kind of think of, and I don't think this is quite a rodeo, but in that scene in AI, when they're kind of destroying the robots, I kind of thought that that was a rodeo, but I've and kind of so rodeos aren't usually presented well mm-hmm. um if at all they're very rarely depicted and i could find very few films yeah. where they were depicted even though i've read that they're actually quite not common as such but not uncommon either in north america but yeah i think it, it's it's going to be an interesting concept mm-hmm. but it's going to be a very much a balancing act i think yeah hey steve all right so we sort of touched on this now like like 
what is you know for people who may not know what is is rodeo if we, we talk about uh and it's really it's really interesting like someone for example like rebecca or, or me for example who i've never been to a rodeo but uh you can certainly see if parts of the uh, parts of the country parts of the world where, where it's a foreign concept and uh, you could see how a a, a far-reaching enterprise like disney has the power to um to portray this thing any way they want. So why don't you give us a, a, the lowdown here? What is the reality for those who may not know <laughs> of rodeo? Look, ninety percent of rodeo is based on uh, th what they would call a performance. Mm -hmm. The animals would call, you know, terrorized. They're scared. They're running for their very lives. Mm -hmm. uh, young calves that are just a few months old. Uh, being made to run at full speed and then being basically clotheslined. You know, clotheslining is something that's illegal in the NFL, where great, big, strong guys at their, their peak power in life, you know, can be can be uh, injured, can be killed if, if they're because they're clotheslined. They're being hit in the neck when they're running and, and it, it can be lights out. And when you're talking about a calf a few months old, uh, that, that's just, that's a horrible, horrible thing to do. You know, if, uh, if we were popping up with, uh, what is, you know, what would be some great animal entertainment and there was no rodeo and you started suggesting the things that are in rodeo, we're going to put somebody on a horse's back and the horse doesn't want them there. On top of that, we're going to tighten a strap around their waist, which make, which, which is uh, basically the, the, uh, the equivalent of a horse being, grabbed by a predator from behind it, it makes them you know makes them absolutely crazy and you're going to have this rider who shouldn't be there spurring the daylights out of them anybody who rides horses knows that if you use, use spurs at all you don't just start slamming and raking and digging those spurs to the point where the, you know as a, a veterinarian dr peggy larson talks about the hemorrhaging that goes on under the skin you know, the, the, just the, you know, the beating, take, take some spurs to your own skin. Heck, you can even put a jacket on if you want start raking those things in you and see how, you know, see how that well that works for you. Yeah. And when you talk about Disney, you know, yes, doing one of their underdog stories and all this kind of thing, it makes me think about, okay, so we've got a, we've got an organization, we've gotten some outsiders that come in and, and, you know, you can tell this touching story about how they start at the bottom and they work their way up. But then you find out that the organization is the KKK. That's basically what this is. You can have the most touching story in the world about how these outsiders come in and they work their way up and they finally gain acceptance. But what they're gaining acceptance in is an activity and an event that is 100% animal cruelty that leaves sometimes dozens of animals dead in the in their wake not to mention how many animals you know were injured who might make it back and just and the suffering that every single one of them endures and i'm talking about thousands of animals in the course of about a week and a half mm -hmm. it is outrageous that 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 disney of all companies would be considering this because i promise you that the the effect of this is going to be to glamorize, to glorify, to uh, to try to legitimize rodeo, and that is absolutely the last thing in today's world of too much yeah. violence, yeah. not yeah. enough consideration for others, 
that's the last t- uh, uh, lesson that we need to be teaching people today. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hear you, and, and I just wonder how how are they going to do it? How, I mean, we don't know. We it's early in its production, but it's not it's not the Disney way to to be gory, you know. So they're the only way they're going to have to do it is is to uh, I don't know, you know, to to downplay it, to make it like it's oh, it's it's not so bad. Otherwise. Uh, Otherwise, it's self-defeating. You know, if, if they produce a film that is so gory and so unwatchable, forget the forget the underdog story. I, you know, I, I guess it remains to be seen. But but to, to me, I mean, I, I absolutely hear hear what you're saying. Um, One thing you can rest assured about is they cannot tell the truth. They can't tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, or, or they certainly can, can. They have to avoid it. <laughs> you know, if they don't tell, it, they just <laughs> stay away from it. Um, Eric, I was wondering, you know, the, the story as, as we know it, as, as far as we know so far from, from based on the book, there's this other, uh, this is under uh, underlining story that seems to, to talk about the, um, the story of the Hawaiian culture and their, their concept of what they did and that they've, they were actually, and I think, in the, let me read you, there's a line here from the press release. Um, yeah, uh, what few understand when the three Paniola rode into Cheyenne is that the Hawaiians were no underdogs. They were the product of a deeply ingrained cattle culture that has that was twice as old as that of the Great Plains. For Hawaiians had been chasing cattle over the islands, uh, over the islands' rugged volcanic slopes and through thick tropical forests since the late 1700s. And again, that that's right out of the, the Disney press release. So you can see that there there's a there's a setup there uh, of of the Hawaiian culture, and that there's a possibility that what they're trying to do is is replace this narrative, the old cowboys and Indians narrative, with now the cowboys and Hawaiians. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit when we, when we <coughs> talked last time on the show. We we're really getting into this whole concept of culture and how culture is a uh, is almost a cover, you know, to get away with anything. How do you see how do you see the culture playing into this whole concept and what it, what it means for for rodeo and what and with uh, Steve's concerns in particular. Oh, well, let me start off with the bad news. I read in a couple places this is to be a live action film, so God knows what they're going to do since it involves steer roping only, which is the worst event in all of rodeo. It's worse than horse stripping, worse than calf roping, all of it. Injuries are commonplace. I have a quote from a, a veterinarian, a Dr. T.K. Hardy. Back in 1972, he's a veterinarian and part-time steer roper. Says you can cripple three or four in an afternoon, so it gets to be a pretty expensive hobby. Walt Disney must be whirling in his grave. Let me start with a little brighter news, too. Yesterday was Cesar Chavez's birthday. He was an outspoken advocate for animals, strongly opposed to rodeos. President Biden, his first week in office, removed a statue of small sculpture by Frederick Grimmington of a cowboy on a bucking horse and replace it with a bust of Cesar Chavez. So I find that hopeful. But for Disney to be doing this, I think it's really extraordinary. What concerns me most, I think, is that it's going to draw children into rodeo, Uh which is an activity which is opposed by every humane organization in North America, Canada, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand. And they try to present it as a sport and the American way of life. Well, for most of the animals involved, it's just a detour en route to the slaughterhouse. 
And right off the bat, it's a bogus event to begin with. Real cowboys on a working ranch or cowgirls never routinely rode bulls or wrestle steers or rode bareback or barrel race or practice uh, calf roping as a timed event. It's all macho crap, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. It's an exercise in domination. Yeah. I can see where Disney is going with this to bring in another culture. These guys, reportedly, the three cowboys back in 1908, were relatively dark and they're dressed in flowers. So they were seen as a joke by the local cattle people. And then the, the Paniolos came in there and cleaned house. They're very good at what they did. So I can appreciate the concept of Hawaii and our nation coming to shine Wyoming to be involved in an American so-called culture and tradition and then and the contrast. But how Disney can do this and present the steer roping in its actuality. As Steve said, it's impossible. If they really showed steer roping as it's done with the steers with the broken legs and broken necks and broken off horns, dragged across the arena, brutal, brutal stuff. So Disney's gonna have his hand full doing this. I do appreciate the, the Hawaiian culture such as it is, been exposed. But it should be, I think, a documentary, not a feature film for yeah. a lot of children are going to see and, and be, they're impressionable, not to mention insensitive adults who think all this is just fine. It absolutely is not and should be banned worldwide, of course. Rodeos were in, in all of England, Scotland, England, and Wales back in 1934. I think that's in our future, hopefully sooner than later. So I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. So the the uh, both um, you and um, Steve have mentioned that that the, f- the film is going to feature particularly of all the events in rodeo um, steer roping. Um, Steve actually has uh, uh, images on on his website that they're really hard to watch. Uh, really, the, yes. the the brutality. The, 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 it, it's you, it's really awful. I don't know how to say of what steer roping is, but I'm wondering how, um, I, I didn't see that in the, in the press. How did you find out that that is going to be in fact, um, the featured, uh, the featured event from the film. And if I may just, just, uh, and this is for either one of you, um, do you have a sense of, uh, the rodeo in 1908, which is presumably what the film is going to focus on, um, how that, differs from the modern day rodeo and will are they going to try and and um tow that line any either one okay Uh, i just went on google aloha rodeo there half a dozen articles mostly in february and at least two of them said it was a live action project and again this is not a full-scale role which there are seven standard events done by the professional rodeo cowboys association but steer roping is one of the sanctioned events by the PRCA. It's done in only eight to 10, almost entirely Western states. And it is brutal, brutal stuff. I really don't see how they're gonna do this. And I think people will be walking out if they show it as it, as it truly is. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you here really we go. And you don't see this- It's a wonderful uh, You don't see them trying to CGI this. They're gonna actually, they're gonna actually show the, the steer open. Do you, Yeah, have you seen how they portray roping on the television shows? If you watch when they had it on ESPN or whatever channel they have it on, doesn't matter. CBS, unfortunately, has chosen to throw in with these guys now. And when when they show the roping, they'll show the the like if it's the calf or the steer, they'll show the calf and the steer 
and the contestant. They all they show the whole the whole bunch coming out. And then when the rope gets thrown, the camera moves to only the human contestant. And don't ever call them cowboys. They're not cowboys. They're the contestants of rodeo. Real cowboys don't do this. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they throw the rope and the camera moves to only the contestant. So you can't see what happens to the animal. It's unbelievable. And my guess is that if they're going to do this boondoggle, that they're going to do the same thing here because that's, only, that's all they can do. It's impossible for them to portray this truthfully and have a Disney hit. It can't be done. Uh, so you know, all we're going we're gonna to expose them every single month until they make this thing happen or terminate it. And then we're going to expose them for months and months and years after the fact. Mm -hmm. But they cannot make a family-friendly movie that tells the truth about steer roping, or rodeo generally, generally, and certainly not about the Cheyenne Frontier days, which, and I've been there, I've been there since nine, uh, 2000, oh God, uh, about 2005. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it is the most cruel, brutal rodeo, deadly rodeo in the world. And I've seen them from one end of the country to the other and up into Canada and Mexico. It's, it is the worst. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm in a perfect position to judge that. I don't doubt. Um, uh, uh, um, Joshua, I want to get back to you and Rebecca. I just want to, did, did, um, do you have, I just want to follow up on that question though, the, uh, that I'm, I'm wondering if Disney's going to try to, um, well, although you, you've said that it's going to feature steer roping, but is, was steer roping in 1908, the same, essentially the same event mm -hmm. as it is in modern? Do we, do we know that? Uh, anyone? <laughs> Or, or, because I, I, I have a hunch that that, that not, that's going to be the 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 way out. That the 1908 rodeo is not the, is, is it was a much tamer event. Well, even I would say even if it's the exact same, let's pretend for the moment that 1908 and 2021 it's done the exact same way. I don't know how many improvements you can make on roping here, right? Um, I, you're exactly right here. I think that Disney has the quote unquote advantage or at least somewhat defense of time, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the Liberty Valance quote by John Ford, right? When, when truth becomes legend, print the legend, right? Well, this was a hundred years ago, right? We're not glorifying anything today. We're just showing you what happened. And I think that Steve, the way that he talks about it, how it's portrayed on, on TV. And it, it's funny you mentioned ESPN because guess who owns them? Um, I think there's, there's an element of, if I can shoot the camera, I can I can show the the contestant, or in this case, the actor, right? Um, I can show a bull, or I can show a horse, uh, and then all I have to do as a director is put a guy on a mechanical bull and shoot him moving around, and uh -huh. you know, shoot chest up. A, there's some good. I don't actually use an animal, right? Uh -huh. um, but B, I can shoot it without needing CGI, and I think. Disney's going to have a hard time using guy effectively in a historical film, right? So the way around that is wide expanse shots of Wyoming, wide expanse shots of the frontier, um, build a you know a, a a western you know an old western town, right? Just put up the sets, um, and I think some clever camera work. Now you could film the entire story from the the Peniolas arriving into the American West and then going to Wyoming up to the point of at the end of the day. Steve and Eric are right. You show the content because they won, 
right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this is this is the modern day, or I guess it's set in the past, but this is the 2021 version of Cool Runnings. You know, it's the Jamaican bobsled team yeah. and doing the Olympics, right? Jamaican bobsledders, that's crazy, right? Hawaiian cowboys, that's crazy. But you've got to show them winning. That's the point of the story. And no matter how much mechanical um, use you use, no matter how much clever editing you use, at the end of the day, even if you want to call it historical fiction and not glorification and and i have not been there so i won't i won't judge them but but i imagine steve is right on the nose here there's no way around showing what it is even if it's clever editing right you've got to show the contest you've got to show them winning and yeah it's going to be disneyfied and that's it that's that's the only way they can do it they can claim history they can claim a true story they can claim um that it's it's the best that they could do without using it animation but at the end of the day got to show something yeah if i recall properly steer busting which is uh, actually one of the earlier titles for this event steer busting was the first the premier event of the cheyenne frontier days and it and it, it's important to understand the history of this they had initially called it uh, steer busting because they would bust the steer. I mean, they're going to, they knock the daylights out of that, that steer in order to, you know, at the end of it, tie the legs, because if you got a 600 pound steer and you simply rope that steer, that steer's not interested in letting you tie his legs at all. So they do what they do to them. They, you know, they, they do this insane trip, slam, drag. And, uh, uh, so they first called it steer busting. And then, they realized that that didn't sound real good. So then they renamed it Steer Tripping. Tripping. And then they realized that didn't sound particularly good. And so then they now they, they officially call it single steer roping. But it is what it is. And it is, and, you know, it's what it has been in rodeo has been cruel, violent, and, you know, various people, including in Wyoming, have tried to make it illegal from time to time. And, and it should be illegal. It's an outrageous activity that is does not reflect what really goes on in in ranch work mm-hmm. any more than the other events yeah records hey, come back to if you can for a second the, the I, i'm intrigued with this with what joshua raised was the the fine line with the production uh, approach mm-hmm. um what's your sense of 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 that you know we can talk about sort of the mechanics of camera angles mm-hmm. and and how they're going to grab but this is a real disney conundrum I mean, uh, particularly as well, as Disney tries to, uh, you know, continue to evolve and be mm-hmm. be sort of on the vanguard of the social, you know, the you're bringing in LGBT type elements into their stories. How do they how do they reconcile essentially glorifying something that that is on the way out, or at least their organizers are trying to you know to show on the way? Particularly, Disney's um, has in a way a. a fairly decent track record we were talking about well, when we were on the sh- uh, our show you know a few months ago uh, just you and joshua with with disney and and uh, you know animal concerns and and uh, conservation efforts and all that what are they doing <laughs> what are they thinking well I, I mean i kind of agree with what other people are suggesting which is that this this may be shelved and films being shelved is is actually fairly common with studios like disney it is early days I don't know if this film will ever see the light of day because of the reasons people are highlighting. Mm, yeah. um, Disney have recently remade The Lion King, The Jungle Book and Dumbo, all of which are animal scented. And they are 
kind of live action, kind of animation. They didn't use any animals in them, even though the original animations, for example, the original Dumbo and Bambi, even though they were animations, did were based upon live animals in the studios. And of course, Disney don't do that anymore because that's no longer acceptable. I'm sure you've all seen Dumbo, which was released in 1941, which is about little elephant in the circus, he's treated badly. And then at the end of the film, he becomes the star of the circus and he stays there. Disney remade Dumbo in 2019, live action. They didn't use any real elephants in it. It was all CGI with actors and they changed the ending. In the new film, the 2019 version, Dumbo and his mother returned to India where they'd been kind of stolen from at the beginning. So I think Disney saw that the 1941 ending just wasn't acceptable anymore. And I think if you'd ended it that way in 2019, people would not be happy. You know, things have moved yeah. on, things have changed for the better. Um, how <laughs> are they going to do that for rodeo? I don't know. And what I think is interesting here is that a rodeo, from what I understand, is a very North American thing. And I don't think it's going to translate well culturally. Yeah. We have a kind of problem with Hollywood films. You might have heard of the baseball or the basketball films, which are huge in America. And they try to sell them abroad and nobody's interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> even though they're huge in America, you try to sell that to the UK. People just don't like baseball here. And I think it's going to be a similar thing with a rodeo. I just don't think people will be that interested in the concept because we don't have it. We're not familiar with it. Interesting. Uh, I hope Rebecca is right. Can I expand a little bit? Well, what's no, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Eric first, then Joshua. Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, sorry go ahead. Yeah, I'd just like to expand a little bit on what Steve had to say. I challenged a sports writer at the uh, National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas a few years ago on the cave roping event, which they show on ESPN, as you see, is owned by Disney. I love that. <laughs> they never show the calf hitting the end of the rope. You see the, yeah. the calf take off, the horse rider, the rope is thrown, it goes over the calf's head, and then the camera always, without exception, pans back to horse and rider. You never see the calf hitting the end of the rope. And quite often they're thrown up in there and slammed to the ground, next to get broken. These are babies, for Christ's sake, yeah. babies. And if we want to do this, we'll do it all. Uh, but to expand a little bit on the steer opening event itself, it, it requires a large arena. And the steer mm -hmm. is run down this long straightaway in the arena, probably used with electric prize to get him going. And the cowboy on horseback last always him around the horns and then throws a loose end of the rope over the steer's rear end over the right side and then rides the horse off at an angle four gallop. So the, the steer switches directions 180 degrees immediately. The shock is almost like breaking your neck and sometimes that does happen. The intent is to knock the animal unconscious. The steer is then dragged across the arena, horns get broken off and the cowboy runs back and ties him up. Now how Disney can show this on film, yeah. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. If, if they're honest. So maybe this thing will die a warning. I think maybe that's where our efforts should I, be. I, yeah, I want to sort of go around and ask, uh, Josh, you, you were going to say something to... Yeah, uh, Rebecca touching on audience is very interesting because there's sort of two things here. One is Disney's longstanding history with the American West ideal. And while mm. Disney has romanticized it in different ways, Walt himself was always fascinated by the, the American West, right? You've got um, everything from the movie team to the true life adventures to the fact that Tierland is almost every Disney park around the world. 
And in fact, in Disneyland Paris, until pandemic and COVID, they ran a daily Buff Bill tour. Think of it for those in, in the East Coast for like medieval times, but rodeo. Um, you had live animals. They did a whole show. Now they said that they are going to probably cancel it or, or not bring it back. Um, but the Wild West has a major um, footprint in the Disney culture and Disney history. Davy Crockett was was enormous. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who are a little more veteran in age, you may remember the the, the Davy show and all of the the Crockett mania that went with that um, in in the mid mid twentieth century. So the the audience angle of of this is, is very very interesting. There's also an element of Disney's putting this on Disney Plus. They're not releasing this so far anyway to theaters, um, and that's very telling as as someone who who studies some of this because a while you may get a more diverse audience by having it in your home theater you're not as big of an audience right? so right away what they've done is take out an element of controversy by the very nature of they're not going to have it be as impactful of an audience now in a disney plus also to do it at a cheaper cost um you know don't don't ever be disillusioned that there's not you know finances involved in these decisions but um but by doing it in disney plus a wider audience in terms of of how many people right so you can get people internationally very easily you can get people um in their home easily but you've also got a categorization factor um we mentioned all of us have mentioned this sort of underdog thing we know disney does this literally if you open up disney plus right now there's a feel good sports movies category right mm-hmm. and it's ties to the mighty duck which they just did a revival of it's um the rookie that baseball movie it's um secretariat it's it's all of them right mm-hmm. um they've got a they've got a, a slot ready to go assuming they make the film for aloha rodeo and they can tie it to a couple other things they can match and do analytics and, and fancy disney magic math with getting it to the right audience right either the people that will not be controversial or the people like us or, or steve and other who are going to fight it but need to watch it to understand what we're fighting right so either way they sort of get your buck um wait, sorry I, I, not buck me, your dollar. wait wait can i, can I um is the I, I want to ask everyone is it, what your prognosis is? I mean, I, I guess Steve, your your effort, it, you would like to see this thing uh, uh, not be produced at all, let alone produced and then killed afterwards. But uh, uh, Josh, were you just were you just saying that uh, you, you're you're holding off judgment until the final product is 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 made? Uh, I I think that the um, any any uh showcasing of the rodeo even in a historical context is a dangerous road um i also don't know if they will ever actually make the film i think rebecca's right that stuff like this gets canned all the time um i think that if they're going to do it they can only do it in the good underdog sports movie way it's not a film that i think disney should be particularly proud of while i am a disney fan i'm not a disney apologist when they screw up and, and do things like this they should be held accountable um but i also we're speculating a lot right i can't yeah. judge them for something they haven't done yet but i can tell you that if they do it in any capacity to the point that that um all of us here are worried about yeah absolutely take take up the pitchforks right i'm, yeah. I'm all in i just don't know they until they show it i can't hold them accountable for it that's all steve your organization is trying to prevent is, to, is attempting to prevent the production of it. Is that right? You'd like to you'd like to see this thing killed in its tracks. 
Well, not necessarily. I mean, it, you know, what I envision, you want to bring up steer roping and rodeo, uh, Cheyenne frontier days. I envision a Ferdinand type scenario where you tell a story about the, the young steer who has to survive Cheyenne steer roping. Ah. You bring that steer in and, and there maybe there's uh, some heroic humans who help him to survive Cheyenne. And so you angle. tell the story about the cruelty <laughs> of rodeo. I think that'd be great. And I wish that Disney would uh, put a rep on your podcast here to be amongst us and explain what this thing is all about. That, that I would be completely supportive. I, I didn't even consider, I didn't even think about having a, a rep. On, but we'll have to, that's a great idea though. That's a great idea to actually, uh, wow. That, <laughs> So no, a, a rewrite almost. In other words, you're almost suggesting that instead of telling the story from the three, uh, whatever you call these guys, the Pinola's perspective, pick a, pick a bull and watch, maybe watch him uh, hit from his perspective, see three, three other bulls going in front of him, watching, watching them uh, be steer roped. And then I'll, I'll write, rewrite this thing right now. They don't have to pay it. me. So, so <laughs> these Pinola's, they come from Hawaii, okay? They come from Hawaii, and they look at what's happening in Cheyenne. They go, oh, my God, I can't do this. I can't defend this. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and help save the steers. So you yeah. still have the Paniolos still coming in, dealing with this white, this white guy, almost white supremacist uh, setup where the, these, uh, these darker-skinned fellows come in, and they're the heroes who are trying to help the animals to keep them alive to make it through this what is in all truthfulness, an awful, cruel, deadly Cheyenne Frontier Days rodeo. Yeah. We're gonna that, have... That's the Pixar version. That's, you know, Disney that's... will do the live action one and then Pixar will pick it up and, <laughs> and do it right. I like it. I like it. And I, I you know, I appreciate Steve willing to, to, to take writing credits and not even, not even get a paycheck for it. So uh, <laughs> that, that's very generous. So uh... <laughs> I forgot it was being recorded. <laughs> that's right um I, I, so all right well so let, let's just um we're just about out of time i i, I don't know if you have uh, anyone that has sort of a, I, I like that that thought i'm i mean as opposed to uh you know if, if disney is, is really going uh you know to, to tackle this thing this is great that's a great angle of it you know it it, it, it represents the potential i hate using this word the the woke you know awoke awoke disney um there's there's but you know there there was a, there's a great temptation you know because you can see how the story fits in as, as josh was saying it fits into the into this categorization of of the, of the great underdog so um i don't know i i i just wonder if in, in just a a minute left if uh, we walk around here and uh uh eric if you have any any advice for disney or any anything you'd like to see happen with this with this project and then uh Anyone, or sure. Yeah, go ahead. I like Steve's idea. I think he should broach the Disney Studios with that. That could make a, a real plus for the animals. I really don't see it happening, though, reality being what it is. But it, aloha means hello as well as adios. Yeah. You know, this could work both ways. So we could get rid of this film. It would be good, I think, to educate the, the Hawaiian Pariolos involvement in rodeo, perhaps. But to promote the event itself, I think it's truly beyond the pale. But let me close with just one last quote from Dr. Temple Grandin. She's an animal behaviorist, world-renowned, 
But she has a line which I really love. It says, the single worst thing you can do to an animal emotionally is to make it feel afraid. Fear is so bad for animals. I think it's worse than bane. All of these animals are prey animals. They fear for their lives. When ridden and roped and wrestled and roped and dragged and electric prodded, they think they're going to die. Let alone should be enough to stop this nonsense. The PRCA a few years ago, when the controversy was going on about cave roping, they didn't change the event. They changed the name, tie down roping. I said, why don't you call it Grandma's Cinnamon Buns? Hypocritical SOBs. It's yeah. just, it's cruelty to animals for, for profit. And Disney needs to be made aware of this. They will get a lot of bad press out of this and well-deserved. I don't think the general public would stand for an honest film. But I like Steve's idea. Okay. Bring on Ferdinand. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Eric. Rebecca, uh, final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think there is a way of doing this film that is a far better way and a far more socially acceptable way. As I said, I think as a rodeo film generally, it's not going to sell abroad, which isn't what Disney will want anyway. But I think if you did the underdog with the calf or something like that, that would sell. People would like to see that. People love seeing animals being rescued. So I think that would actually be the best option for everyone, really. So hopefully that's what ends up happening. I love it. Joshua? I think the alternative here, Disney's going to do the film the way that we're predicting, where they do the, the historical rodeo event and they do the underdog story and they, they keep it to that formula, which, boy, do they have nailed down, right? If they, that way, the balance is then do a documentary, right? And, uh, don't go cute, go truth, right? And yeah. Disney does have an avenue that they literally bought from Geographic, right? They can do an entire series of, of docu-series on the rodeo and, and the cruelty. And, and they can say, look, we made a film. We didn't use any animals. We used clever camera work. We were showing a historical event because we felt it was important to talk about culture. Here's the real deal, right? Here's what yeah. it really is yeah. about. And that's where, since unfortunately steve has already given his services for free he can feature in the documentary and maybe get paid for that a little bit um and and they can they can balance the scales of it, right tell your feel-good underdog sports movie and, and you'll have your audience tell the documentary you'll have your audience for that and then you've got you've got a whole world of of opportunity to really show what what is going on and maybe make the difference that we all yeah. want and yeah. and they should make Excellent. Yeah. Steve, last word for you. I, I sense it's, and it's fitting because I, I didn't know about this until uh, your, your own press release. So um, final, th final thoughts. Dr. Martin Luther King said, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Disney mm -hmm. do the right thing. If you're going to tell the story of steer roping, tell the truth. That's all we're looking for. That's all any of us are looking for, right? Let's tell the truth. Let's not make, make things up that glorify cruelty, abuse, and, uh, and, you know, animal, you know, just doing that to animals or anybody else. Let's tell the truth. Awesome. Uh, can't ask for, for better. Tell the truth. Tell it what it is. All right. Listen, I want to thank, uh, thank her. And uh, we, that's uh, Dr. Rebecca Rose Stanton, Josh Steinhaus, Eric Mills, and Steve Hindi. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, this has been great. It's been very informative. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we should do it again after we've all seen the film. <laughs> or yeah. not. Or not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. You got to admit. That's good stuff. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely got to get that in front of Disney. I, I, I think that's the solution, right? Got to be. All right. We're going to take a, just a very quick break. And then a Philadelphia veterinarian, Dr. Tom Picard, is going to talk to us about springtime for pets. I almost broke into song there. Should be a time of renewal 
and awakening. And it is. Uh, unfortunately, it's also a time of renewal and awakening for uh, for those nasty parasites. And uh, what are we going to do about that? So uh, Dr. Picard's going to help us out with that coming up right next. Don't go away. Your pets don't like getting in cages and cars to go to the vet any more than you like sitting in a waiting room. Why not remove the stress for both of you? Have All Pets House Calls with me, Dr. Tom Picard. Come take care of your pets from the comfort of their own couch. We do checkups and exams for illnesses, problems, shots, and much more. Monday through Saturday appointments throughout far and wide areas of Philadelphia and surrounding suburbs. Please call us at 215-843-1780 or please feel free to submit questions so I can answer them on the air for you. Contact us by email at allpetshousecalls at comcast.net or visit our website at allpetshousecallsvet.com. All right, we're joined now here on The Other Animals by, uh, with, with, by, with, by Dr. Tom Picard, Philadelphia veterinarian of All Pets House Calls. Hey, Dr. Tom, how's, how's it going? Oh, it's just fine. So it's the nice spring day, and which is why I thought that after talking about vaccines, which if they should be up to date, if it's been a while since your pets have been in to be seen, their vaccines are probably due, at least assume it's close. Okay. So get them seen. We talked about that last time. Right. But this time, more perils of the spring. So what's up with spring? Why is why is spring? Uh, what sorts of things are we looking out for spring? Is there anything uniquely uniquely perilous about spring? Sure. Well, you know, after we've covered the viruses and things, there are other types of bugs. Uh, you know, the viruses are our vaccines, and <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, the other types of bugs. Uh, fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, uh, all the other ones, are, those are the big three, though, that carry all sorts of diseases and problems for our pets, uh, even ones who don't go outdoors. You might have a cat who never has left a high rise. They're on the 30th floor. They've been there their whole life. I've been called for, to a place like that because their cat got fleas. <laughs> it was born... It was born on the 30th floor. It never left. And it even had the vet come there to see it. So how did it get fleas? Yeah. Well, it, it had fleas b- before I was there. So I can't blame me. Can't, they can't blame me. <laughs> well, but how did they? Like, is it in the building or something? Or like, no, it, they'll come in on people. It probably came in. Oh. It, it was probably the owner, you know, who lived there or a guest of theirs or or a person who came in working it could have been you know, whoever came in the most probably the owner who comes in the most the the fleas will just they'll jump on you when you come in maybe from your outside maybe you're halfway down the block from your house you were near some stray cat or squirrel or who knows what flea 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 took off you know jumped off its ride and jumped on you and so like on your clothes or something on the person's yeah clothes. usually get on your clothes real quick on your socks you know, things like that, and then just ride right in. They, they can grip like, you know, anything, so it's no problem. So, so they'll jump from you and your clothes onto your pet, and from there, a sky's the limit, sort of. They'll, they'll right, and if it, was, if it was a female who was pregnant, and generally those are the ones who are going for blood meals anyway, uh, you're going to have a lot of fleas real soon. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, and that's when they'll call me like, hey, we have fleas. 
<laughs> you know, that's well, frozen because I thought when you were going to when you started to talk that you were going to talk about you know the the inherent perils of springtime would be that well this is a natural time to let our dogs and cats out and when you let your dogs and cats out that's when the that's when the fleas and ticks are going to start happening but it's almost like that's that's almost not that's not the peril and as the peril is not in letting them out per se the peril is just that the bugs are there they're just there and whether you whether you let them in or out you still got to be careful right they 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 can exactly. find a way and, and and I mean, basically, think like them. <laughs> yeah, what would you do if you were a flea and you are trying to survive all year round? You, you try and go in where it's warm, so they don't just all die in, in the cold weather, the climate locations in the winter. Uh, you know, they'll come in buildings anywhere they can. Uh, some of them will lie dormant. Some of them can go for over a year without a meal of any sort. Uh, and then you, you'll be the first one in that, that room and for watch out, <laughs> you know? wow. but so they can really come up on you any time of year. It's just that they're now they're, they are more readily available. Your dogs are the most likely culprit or they're going outside more, but you're also out more. So again, you could become a unwitting uh, taxi driver and <laughs> taking a, a hitchhiker with you. Uh, you know, same with ticks, same with ticks. You can bring them ticks to your pet. It could be your fault, <laughs> you know. So, I'm still stuck on that notion of trying to think like a flea. I don't think anyone's challenged me like yeah. that. <laughs> but, but, all right. So, so, what do you tell people? So, what do you, you know, other than you know, calling the cavalry there for you to come in after the fact? What well, What are the precautions you can take if even if you if you have a fully indoor cat? I mean, are we back of a dog? You know, are we talking? Yes. Cows? And this is where you. you th- think that's complicated dealing with vaccines it's like the combinations of medicines and treatments for dealing with fleas and ticks and mosquitoes are generally more of a dog problem for the most part there are there are, there are heartworm that are spread to cats but they're they are less common but uh dog heartworm is from, definitely from mosquitoes and there are other diseases mosquito spread so between all of them uh, and like I said, ticks and fleas and uh, any other insect that you you think your pet might come across, <laughs> bees and the stuff this time of year, pets get stung, you know, in the mouth. Usually they're trying to bite at a bee, but oh. all of them aside, uh, there's a zillion products out there. Some of them your pet swallows. Some of them you put on their skin. Some of it doesn't go into their body that way. Some of it does. Uh, definitely the stuff that you swallow goes into the body. Uh, and some of them are different levels of effectiveness for one thing or another. There's many products out there that are a kill all, you know, safely kill everything. For, you know. Well, I recommend doing your due diligence. Just look up. Just because it's been on television, even doesn't mean it's safe. Yeah. Look, there's stuff out there all the time and more than one that are advertised and it seems like a big deal but you know there's also problems so i always recommend one if you really don't have a problem with a certain thing in your area don't put your pet on medication just Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's to check what's check what the problem is in your area if you don't have lyme disease in your area don't give your pet lyme vaccine i mean why give them something they don't need 
same with if flea, you know, a lot of places, fleas are a problem, ticks less so. Uh, so you might not need the tick stuff. You, it just depends where you live. You know, if you don't have to give them something for all different things, don't. I like that. Uh, I like that concept because you, you can see owners will be tempted. Some owners will be tempted to over-medicate, you know, better safe than sorry. And it really isn't. Yeah. Right? What you're and saying look is it up a, anyway. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've seen stuff that says it's safe that is not safe. You just have to be sure. Uh, you know, it's I've seen it too many times. Yeah. Especially I mean, with cats. Cats are super sensitive to stuff. Be real careful before you give a cat anything. Do you know? For, you know, you feel you got to feel for the owners because they they really are bombarded with uh, with you know advertisements and, and everything that's out there that's you know uh, to protect. And uh, do you I mean, how do you we want our we want our pet owners to do to do their due diligence as you said, but. Can you can you give them some help or like how <laughs> how do they weed weed through all that and uh, what's, yeah what's <laughs> literally yeah. yeah well I I think well what I think the first step is you find out what's a problem in your area okay. you know whether you're asking your neighbors asking whoever asking Google or something you know see what's the problem you'll find out soon enough you know if it's for example Pennsylvania rabies is a problem well i mean just keep them up to date on rabies you know but also you know fleas ticks there's still rocky mountain spotted fever. like you'll find out the things that are even though they're rocky mountain spotted fever it's still a problem on the east coast too so you know you things like that but find out does your neighbor have tick problems or flea problems if they do you're going to as well if they don't, maybe you aren't, you know, yeah, but find yeah. out, ask a few, ask a few neighbors. Don't just count on one of them if you can help it. Yeah. You know, okay. that's a good start. You know, just locally, you'll, they'll tell you quickly what's going on. Okay. If they have pets, they'll know. Okay. All right. That's good to know. They All don't, right. your local vet will. I was going to say, whenever, when in doubt, when in doubt, come, come back to the- <laughs> they're, if they're you, only... And if you can't reach them, then ask me. I'm happy to answer any and all questions about bugs of any sort. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I want to thank my guests, uh, Eric Mills, Steve Hindy, Rebecca Rose Stanton, and Josh Steinhaus. Would love to hear from you with comments, ideas, or suggestions, or if you've got a topic you'd like Dr. Picard to address, just check out theotheranimals.com. All the, all the contact information is there, and we'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Other Animals or The Other Animal One, if you're, if you're being specific. And uh, don't forget to check out our partner podcasters at iroarpod.com. Next week, we got another good surprise coming up for you. I don't have it confirmed, so I'm not going to announce it, but I, I think it's going to be a juicy one. Don't miss it. Check us out then. So until then, have a great Easter, everyone. And uh, and don't forget to find a belly to rub. We'll see everyone next week. Take care.